Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning and welcome to Bible Center Church. I am Pastor Mike. It's good to be with all of you. Uh, We are in our series now, God's Glorious Church Equipped. Over the fall, we talked about God's Glorious Church United, how we're connected together, how God's called us by His Spirit to fight for and to maintain unity with one another. And this series here in the winter is focused more on building on that unity and realizing that each of us are made differently. Like you'll notice for yourself, there's some things that you're really good at, and then there's some things that you're not so good at. When Jen and I bought our first home back in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, we didn't have a bathroom really like connected to our bedroom. So you have to walk down the hall and you'd use that bathroom. And that's where I would shave. And I've got relatively thick, coarse hair, and it didn't take very long for that sink to start to clog. So what I decided to do is I would take apart the pipes underneath and clean it out and make sure that I would fix the clog. So I took them apart. That's not where the clog was. Put them back together. Still clogged. I remember when I was a kid, my dad had this thing called a snake, this like metal thing that you'd run through the pipes. So I went ahead and bought one. I thought, well, I'll buy one of those, and I'll just run it through the pipes. It can't be that hard. It'll save me a lot of money, right? So I buy this long snake and I take the pipes off from the bottom and I run it into the wall and I'm pushing it through and through and then, you know, I hit the thing that's stuck. So I hit it, it's pretty hard actually, and I hit it again and then I did that for about five minutes and then finally it went through. And I thought, we're all fixed, folks. So I just rolled that snake back up, put the pipes back together, I turn on the water, flows straight through. Jen's in the basement my wife, and she's doing the laundry. So I open, my, open the door and I yell downstairs, I fixed it. So it's kind of a big deal. I fixed it. And Jen goes, it's raining in the basement. And I'm like, what do you mean? So I run down the steps and it is, water's just coming through the ceiling. So I run back up and turn the water off. I didn't actually fix the clog. I um, found a, probably like a right-hand corner and I just busted right through it with the snake. And now we had a big hole in the pipe. And just so you know, I didn't save any money. I had to hire a plumber, and the plumber found ways to make as many holes as possible and as many walls as possible to finally fix that pipe, and it cost well over $300, and that's like 15 years ago. Still feels like a lot today, felt like a whole lot then. Um, So in that moment, my wife sat me down, and she had to have a little talk with me, and she said, you know what, you're a pretty good personal trainer. I said, thank you. Uh, Why don't you do more personal training so that you could pay for a plumber to fix our pipes? And in that moment, I was like, that's actually a great idea. And that's kind of been the thing that I try to do. If we need to fix something, I try to make enough money so that I can pay someone who knows how to do it to actually fix it. And that's really kind of what today's sermon's about, is what the text is about. What has God uniquely designed you to do? And what has God uniquely designed you not to do? And we figure out how to do that together. This whole, the way you are made, the way the other people are made around you, we start to function in a way that begins to build and mature the body of Christ and this this beautiful picture that God gives us. Now, two weeks ago, uh, John King kind of laid the foundation for us of where we're going and, and how we should see ourselves in light of this idea that we're made uniquely. God tells us in Genesis chapter one that he made us as almost sort of a reflection, an image of him. Not exactly like him, but we are image bearers of God. We're rational beings, we're spiritual beings, we're emotional beings. And even after the fall, we still have a reflection of him. We bear some of his image, we're image bearers. 
And that's a big deal. It means every person in here, every person on God's earth has value. But because of the fall, we broke that relationship. So even though we're image bearers, we have a broken relationship with God. So then John went on to tell us about what Jesus did. So when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, he offers forgiveness for everyone who believes in him. And now not only can we be image bearers, but we can tell Jesus, you are my savior, I believe in you, and then he becomes our identity. So we're made in the image of God and we bear the identity of Jesus when we place our faith in him. And as the starting point for all of these conversations, it's not inherent value in us, it's the ability to reflect the beautiful God who made us and to find our identity rooted in Jesus himself. And because of that, Jesus chose to make each of you, each of us, in different ways, uniquely, to blend and to connect with one another. And it's one of the goals of those who are pastors here is to equip you with God's word so that you know how to know the gifts that you've been given and then to use the gifts you've been given. You create an environment and a place where you can thrive so therefore the whole church begins to thrive. So today we're gonna to talk about spiritual gifts. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open to Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna start in verse seven. The questions we're gonna to answer today is number one, what are spiritual gifts? Like, what are they? We have to start there. And why do they matter? And finally, we'll end here. How do we learn and use our spiritual gifts? If you have your app and you like to go through sermon notes on your app, they are terrific today. Uh, there's tons of stuff in there. There's links you can click on. Our communications team did an amazing job. Uh, we're going to talk about lots of different spiritual gifts and you're gonna see them on a pamphlet you grabbed on the way in. If you didn't grab one, it's on your app. There's multiple places to access that. So Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. And we're gonna be in this verse for a little bit. It starts this way. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So. The verse starts with a contrast. The word but is a contrast. It says, what I was talking about is one thing, but I'm gonna contrast that with what I'm gonna talk about now. So what he was talking about was the unity of the church, our interconnectedness. But now I'm gonna talk, talk about how you're uniquely made. So from unity to the uniqueness of each individual in the body of Christ. Uh, one way I'd like to kind of have us see this is by having an illustration, and I'm gonna use a, let me use a Parthenon, so we'll put the bottom up there. So what we've been talking about is this, that God has called us to be unified, interconnected, one with one another in the power of the Spirit, based upon our character and how we treat one another and the common core beliefs that we have. It's the foundation. And if you remember what a Parthenon looks like, the next thing looks like this. There's all these pillars that hold up the Parthenon. So say I called you and said, let's go have lunch in the Parthenon. And then you and I are sitting at a table in the Parthenon. And as we were sitting in there, we started looking at the different pillars and we noticed that some are crumbling. Others aren't tall enough to actually reach and support the ceiling. Some are slanted. Some are weak. What would we probably do? We'd probably leave the Parthenon, right? Let's go grab lunch somewhere else. Because at that point, 
the roof is no longer being supported. And the way the Bible talks about this is we have our unity together, we have a diversity of gifts that we're each called to use, and then the result is what's on top, is that we actually mature in Christ. So the foundation is unity, but maturity is built upon unity and you using your particular spiritual gifts and passions so that all of us together grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Each part is really important. And that's what we're gonna work through today. So what are spiritual gifts? You're gonna find spiritual gifts in the book of Romans, in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're gonna have them discussed here in the book of Ephesians. Going back to Ephesians 4, 7, I want us to notice this, that the gifts are from Jesus himself. They are gifts given to us from our Savior. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So it's Christ who gave these gifts. And we're gonna talk about that this is a grace, but he gave us these gifts. A little bit later in chapter four, verse 12, it says that he also gave us different voices, apostles and pastors and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. And Christ gave those things to us. So Christ gave us gifts and Christ gave us leaders and voices and passions. It is him actively working in his church to build his church. So when it comes to you and your spiritual gift, what we're learning here, what we're being told is that it's Jesus working in you for the sake of the whole. It's Jesus uniquely using you to benefit everyone else. The church is built partly on you, Christ's active ministry in your life and through your life. This is a big topic because it concerns every single person in this room. It proclaims that you matter. It proclaims that you have a role to play. Back to Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. I'm gonna emphasize a different word this time. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Grace. Realize that you didn't earn your gift. We're gonna to get to what your gift is, but you didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to achieve it. it is literally grace given to you by Jesus. So we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it, but we should be thankful for it and we should use it. It's been given to you, not for the sake of you, but for the sake of others. Christ gave it to you and it's a gift of grace. Therefore, it's beautiful and it's not a source of pride it's not a source of ego. It's not a source of identity. Whether the gifts you've been given are upfront gifts or in the background gifts, it doesn't really matter. Am I whistling? It doesn't really matter um, because the gifts all work together for the sake of the fullness of the body of Christ. If you have your Bible open, verses eight through 10 are actually really difficult. And we're not gonna spend a lot of time on verses eight through 10. They're basically a paraphrase of Psalm 68. And it talks about this idea of Jesus descending into the lower regions and then him ascending. And really what that's talking about is Jesus in his incarnation, when he came to earth and lived his perfect life. When it talks about him ascending, it's Jesus returning to the Father in the ascension, who he now sits at the right hand of the Father. That's what the context is. The next thing to hit is there from Jesus, but the spiritual gifts are also to be used. So if you go to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, 
verses six through eight, there's a couple things to notice in this passage. It starts this way. We have different gifts. So each one of you have a different gift. You're unique in comparison to the person beside you. Each of us have different gifts according to the grace given. So again, this is a grace thing. The gift that you have is a grace. It's a gift given to you by Jesus himself to each of us, to each of us. Every person in this room has been given a spiritual gift from Jesus. You've received grace from Jesus. And then what do we do with those gifts? If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So notice what he did there. Once you identify your gift, the call is to do what? To do it. If your gift is generosity, then be generous. If your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is stewardship, then steward. If your gift is leadership, then lead. So first we identify what those gifts are and they were called to actually use those gifts. Biblical obedience is using the gifts you've been given. Biblical disobedience is not using the gifts you've been given. I want you to feel that. We've actually been called to use our gifts. So they're from Jesus, they are to be used, and they are diverse. Romans told us that we have various gifts. There are many gifts. When you walked in, I hope you grabbed one of these. I hope you grabbed one of these. Hopefully you have a pen. Uh, there's some pens in the seat backs in front of you. One of the things I'd like us to work on is for you to personally start identifying what your spiritual gifts likely are. So under each of these statements, I have a kind of like a question or a statement. I want you to think through, does this true of me? Is this statement true of me? So the first one is administration. I organize people in details to accomplish tasks. If that is definitely true of you, you might want to circle that one. If that is no way true, don't circle that for you. So there might be two, there might be three, there might be five that stick out to you. I'd love for you to circle those to kind of know how God has uniquely made you. So this is kind of a starting point. And we're gonna come back to that in the end. And if you wanna look down and look at that while I'm preaching, it won't hurt my feelings. Uh, so the first step is to identify our gifts. So this big first question is what are spiritual gifts? And I would answer it this way. Spiritual gifts are the grace and active ministry of Jesus in and through each believer for the common good. Spiritual gifts are the grace. It's a gift that you've been given and it represents the active ministry of Jesus. When you are using your spiritual gift, it's Jesus working in you and it's Jesus working through you. Jesus is actively building his church. He's doing that through his word, through his spirit and through his people. So having a spiritual gift and using a spiritual gift means Jesus is working in you and through you to build his church, to bring him glory, and that others would represent and look like the fullness of Jesus himself. Because it's for the common good. So these are what spiritual gifts are. They're incredibly important. For us to be a church that looks like Jesus, 
for us to be a church that's maturing and looking more and more like him, then we all are using our spiritual gifts. Why do they matter? Why do spiritual gifts matter? Jesus loves and he uses very different kinds of people. If some gifts are used and other gifts are not used, go back to the Parthenon illustration. That whole roof starts to slant and slide and fall off. So everyone's called to use their gifts. A good example of this is back in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts in chapters 13 and 14, you see Paul and Barnabas are set aside by the Holy Spirit. The apostles agree, let's send these guys out to start spreading the gospel and starting churches. So Paul and Barnabas left on this first missionary journey. And if you just wanna have, I mean, there are incredible adventures in chapters 13 and 14, amazing things happen. This is an incredible team that God has put together. And each guy is a little different from the other one. Paul and Barnabas are different kinds of dudes. But through this team, God does incredible things. Churches are planted. Hundreds of people come to know Christ. There's a point where Paul gets stoned. They think he's dead. They toss him over the wall. Paul gets up, walks around the wall, and comes right back into the city. That happens in this first missionary journey. During this journey, they had brought a guy along with them named Mark, John Mark. And John Mark was over it. We're not sure if he was afraid worn out or just didn't like what was happening, but he deserted them and he returned to Jerusalem. So here's Paul and Barnabas killing it. And here's this guy who's helping support their ministry so they can go for it every day. And he says, I'm out. And he returns to Jerusalem. So eventually Paul and Barnabas also return to Jerusalem to report to the apostles all that's happening. Now it's time for the second missionary journey. And Paul's like, let's go. And Barnabas says, why don't we take Mark with us? And Paul refuses. Paul's like, there's no way we're bringing Mark with us. Do you not remember, Barnabas, what Mark did? And there arose an incredibly sharp disagreement. It says in Acts 15, 39 and 40, it says, and there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and he left. So here's two guys that the Holy Spirit has set aside to do missionary work and they couldn't come to agreement. What's interesting here, a couple things. One, nowhere does the Bible call this disagreement sin. The Bible doesn't call this disagreement sin. Is it? I don't know, but the Bible doesn't say that it is. And what happens is they actually double their efforts they doubled their efforts. Now, more churches are being planted in more locations and more cities. And God uses their different gifts and perspectives and personalities to build the church. What I also want you to notice is this was an incredible opportunity for Barnabas to build into this young guy named Mark. See, Paul and Barnabas had some similar gifts, but they also had some distinct gifts. Paul clearly had the gift of apostleship and evangelism and faith and leadership. Like Paul was a go for it kind of guy. Hit him with a rock, he gets back up and keeps preaching. Barnabas had some of that, but Barnabas also had the gift of encouragement and mercy and shepherding. So when he saw a broken down Mark, his first thought was, let's love this guy. Let's 
care for this guy. Let's take this guy with us and give him a second chance. Paul was ready to take the next hill. Barnabas slowed down and looked at Mark and took Mark with him, which was a risk to Barnabas. But for Barnabas, it was worth it. Why? Because it gave him time to build into Mark. He encouraged Mark. He shepherded Mark. He took care of Mark. What I love is then at the end of of Paul's ministry, Paul writes the book of 2 Timothy, and 2 Timothy are Paul's last words. I mean, he is in a bad place in terms of this dungeon he's in. Like, he, he knows he's not going to live much longer, and he's writing Timothy. He says, Timothy, Luke is with me, but he's the only one with me. Timothy, as you are coming towards me to visit me, would you mind, would you mind picking up Mark on the way? Because he's useful to my ministry. So in 2 Timothy chapter four, the guy who he had, not, he didn't want to do anything with Mark. He now wants Mark to be at his side during these last days because he views Mark as useful. Why is Mark useful? It's because of Barnabas, right? It's because Barnabas stepped into that gap. Barnabas used his encouragement, his mercy, and his shepherding to build up this young guy who had fallen apart And even Paul couldn't deny the fact by the end of Paul's life, by the end of Paul's ministry, that Mark was the kind of guy that you want by your side. So God uses our different skills and our different gift mixes. If Barnabas hadn't used his, we wouldn't have Mark. Mark wrote the gospel of Mark. It's a big deal. So for you, being able to identify what gifts you have And how God's uniquely called you to contribute puts you in a position like Barnabas, maybe. You might see something that the other person doesn't see. You might know to step in when the other person doesn't want to step in. So step one is knowing your spiritual gifts. So so that's where we land here on our third point is how do I identify my spiritual gifts? And then how do I use my spiritual gifts? So if you would, pull this sheet back out. I want you to get a little bit more serious at this point. If you haven't circled any, I'd like you to take a little time, start looking through them. Which one sticks out to you? When you read particular statements, you might say, that is absolutely me. Circle that one. Maybe that's me. Maybe just put a star beside it. But start asking the question, which of these describe you? So what are your next steps after that? Maybe you circled three of them. So next steps is this. One, jump in and try to use that spiritual gift. Jump in and try to use that in some form or fashion. You can use it in your family. You can use it with your friends. You can use it in your neighborhood. You could use it here. But it's helpful to jump in and to try it. So if you think you're really good at shooting three-pointers, you might want to go out and shoot a couple to see if you're actually any good at it, right? That's also how spiritual gifts work. You want to actually try it. Next thing I want you to do is after you've tried to use it, and this one's hard, is ask for some feedback. Ask for some feedback. You might think you're really good at something. And you know what I'm talking about. Like you have people in your life who are like this. You might think you're really good at something. But if that person would just ask somebody else, do you think I'm as good at making cookies as you think I'm at making cookies? You might realize that you're not very good at making cookies or whatever it is. So it's really helpful to have feedback. And criticism is your friend. Constructive criticism is actually your friend. 
If you can find some people in your life that'll be honest with you about what you're good at and where you can grow, hold on to those people. They're a gift from the Lord. So when you try out your spiritual gift or what you think is your spiritual gift, get some feedback. Also, as you're looking at these, there might be certain things that you do. And when you do it, people just compliment you. People thank you. People seem to appreciate it when you do those things. That is also a way of indicating and pointing to how you're uniquely made and how you're designed to contribute to the body of Christ. So that'd be another way of doing that. So when it comes to how to use those spiritual gifts, again, there's lots of places to do it. But on the back, what we have listed are different areas of the church where you could potentially serve and use those gifts. There's worship ministries and connect ministries. There's care, there's leadership, there's groups. And Paula is your connection point. In our church, we have lots of groups. And if you've heard me up here much, at some point you've heard me say, I want you in a group. The reason why I want you in a group is that's where you find relationships and become interconnected with other people. I wanna make sure that you are cared for and you're caring for other people. But also in a group, this is an incredible place to use your spiritual gifts. In a group, lots of things are happening. For example, this one. Typically, they're socials. Outside of the normal meeting time, groups will typically get together and do things fun. That's a great place for people with the gift of hospitality to jump in. Also in a group, we tend to keep attendance. Why? If you're not there, now we know to check on you and to make sure you're okay. So attendance matters. So someone with a gift of administration could jump in and keep track of the details. Outreach. Groups don't exist just for themselves. They also exist for those who do not yet know Jesus. So in the group you're in, or the group I'd like you to consider going to, who are the folks in your group that have the gifts of faith, evangelism, and apostleship? Are you letting them go for it in your group? Don't have groups just be about content because then all the gifts are not being used. In your group, how are you unleashing those who have the gift of evangelism and apostleship and faith? It's an opportunity to use them. Also, there's care and prayer that takes place in groups. Who are the folks in your group with the gifts of encouragement, mercy, intercession, and shepherding? Set them up to be the ones who are caring for the others in the group, praying for one another. You also have someone who's probably gonna help with the content, who's gonna teach it and facilitate it. That's someone with the gift of teaching and wisdom and knowledge. And finally, there's probably someone who acts as a point guard, making sure it all happens, your leader. They have the gift of leadership and discernment. So this week in your group, I'd like you to pause and take some time in your group and discuss, are all the different gifts in your group being used? Are there people in your group that God has designed to contribute who don't get to contribute? How could you set them up to use their gifts so that the whole group is growing more and more in Christ? We also have a core class coming up February 11th. If you want to go deeper into this, Michelle Thompson and I will be leading this. You can register right on the app. Even in the sermon notes, there's a place you can click and register. There's a spiritual gifts test that you can take. It's a lot of questions, and there's roundtable discussions we'll have to make sure you know how God has designed you because you matter, and I want you to contribute. I don't want you to miss out on how God has designed you. So today, we've talked about several things. 
What are spiritual gifts? Why do they matter? How do you identify those spiritual gifts? And then how do you use those spiritual gifts? It is so easy in this day and age to feel insignificant, like you don't matter, like you have nothing to contribute. It's really easy in a church this size just to feel like they don't need me. They don't need my help. Oftentimes we hear this inner critical voice in our own lives telling us that we're not good enough. No one wants us or no one needs us or our help. Sometimes we hear the words of others who have put us down in the past and have told us we're not good enough. We're not useful. We're not helpful. And we begin to listen to those voices. We tend to play it safe to keep our heads down and just to hope that someone else will stand up and do it. But today, I want you to not listen to those voices. I want you to listen to God's voice. I want you to listen to Jesus saying, I have given you a wonderful gift. I died on the cross to forgive you of your sins and to extend grace to you to forgive your sins and to give you a gift so that you can contribute to the whole. I want you to hear Jesus say, I want to use you. I've uniquely designed you to represent me. You bear my identity and you're gonna help build my church. I want you to hear his voice because when you hear his voice, a couple things happen. You now experience joy at a level you've never experienced before. He's using you. He's building you up as you help others. I don't want you to miss out on significance and meaning. I don't want the rest of the church to miss out because you're not there to contribute and play your role. We all miss out when you're not using the gifts that Christ has given you. Each of you are an integral part of God's unique and incredible and beautiful design for his church and for all of eternity. To have someone not use their gift is like watching an eagle that never learns how to fly. It's like watching a lion who never learns how to hunt. It just looks wrong. So what is it about you that God has uniquely given you for the sake of others? Everyone can change a diaper. Everyone can be friendly. Everyone should say hello. Everyone should pick up the garbage when they see it in the building or in the parking lot. That's how we all help. But there's something unique about you. There's something that God has given you. What is that thing? And how can we equip you and help you to use it for the sake of everyone else, the building of his church, and to the glory of God himself? So what I'd like you to do today is before you finish lunch today, I'd like you to have had a discussion with someone else at lunch in your group about the things you circled on your piece of paper. Take that with you. You also have it in your app. And talk through what you think your spiritual gifts are. Have a conversation about it. And then let's have a conversation about how you can use those spiritual gifts. You can do it by contacting Paula and we'll get back with you. Or have a discussion in your group or your friend group or your family or your neighborhood about how you can use the things Christ has given you for the sake of building up his church. We're gonna take communion this morning. So let's pray that God would use each of us and then let's celebrate Jesus together. Father, we come before you as your children. We bear your image, we're image bearers. We've been identified in Christ once we believed and then you've uniquely gifted us and designed us for the sake of growing your church. And Father, I pray this morning that we take that seriously. 
I pray that you would give us clear wisdom on how you've designed each of us and that we would encourage one another when we see one another using our gifts and stepping out in faith. Uh, I pray that you would do that for your glory, for the building of your church, that we would reach the fullness of Jesus Christ. In Christ's name, amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.